Welcome to Life Decoded. Hi, I'm Nancy Mendez. I believe every life is a story to the world, so make sure it's inspiring. Through my podcast, I'd like to bring to life inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. So let's embark on this journey to get informed and inspired. Ananya Bhaktaram, an inspiring young lady all the way from Oklahoma, USA. She, with a few of her friends, have created a corona testing website, both in English and Spanish, for the Oklahomans. She is currently a senior in the University of Oklahoma, pursuing her dual degree in community health and letters. Hello, Ananya, and welcome to my podcast, Life Decoded. Thank you for having me. So Ananya, let's talk about your project and uh, the website that you have created. You said you have created the Corona testing website. Can you tell me more about it? Yes. I guess in June um, of this year, a friend and I we were already working on a different project, but we were having a conversation about how there was most likely going to be a spike in coronavirus cases after Trump's Juneteenth rally because it was being held in Oklahoma. And we were looking at the health resources available in Oklahoma and we couldn't find a comprehensive list of what happens if you are sick, where do you go? Because most of the resources in Oklahoma were geared toward healthcare suppliers or healthcare professionals. And so if you were an average person trying to figure out what test you need, where you should go, what was available for you and how much you would have to pay, it was really difficult and really time consuming, not because the information wasn't there, but because it was scattered over so many different platforms. And so what we did is we tried to collate all of these different resources in a very simple, easy to use format. And so we built a comprehensive searchable map hosted on Google Maps so that you could just enter your address, find out where the nearest locations were for you, and then also see what type of tests were available at each site and how much they would cost. From that, that, yeah, so basically it was more as a user-friendly app for the common man to be able to use it. Yes, and so after this became a map, we started seeing like, what else could we do? And so what we started bringing together community resources, whether it was like, ah, you're stressed about educating your child, what are some resources for you? What are some resources if you are a small business and you need to apply for a loan. And we just started bringing in lots of different resources because it felt like there was so much information being uploaded every day that if you were not spending all of your time reading about coronavirus like we were, mm-hmm. it was it felt like trying to drink from a fire hydrant and for the average person. And as a result, I know I was feeling emotionally overwhelmed. I think it can be very scary if you are you or a loved one test positive for coronavirus and you have no idea what's going on. 
you Google it and a million different things show up. And so we wanted this to be a one-stop usable resource that was accessible to all Oklahomans. And so then after we created this resource page, we also translated the entire site into Spanish so that it was available for Hispanic Oklahomans as well. And so that it was more reachable to a larger access of people. So what motivated you to create this website? I think it started off as a conversation with a friend and it was, hey, here's this gap missing that we feel like our communities clearly need. We have the time, we have the skills to do this. Why don't we try to do this? Because everyone else who could make this is overworked right now because everyone who else could have made it were public health professionals. And we all came from a public health background and had mm -hmm. public health training but versus like if that's what we one we were interested in going into public health or healthcare as a field as a and moving into it as a career and we were in this transitory space and we were almost we either one of our teammates had just graduated college or we were all in our final year of university but we didn't have the degree classifications to actually be working in the field right now we couldn't be helping people more directly. And so this was one small thing that we were like, we do have the skills to do, do this. We have the time to do this. We cannot help in a larger capacity because no one will let us. So why don't we try and do our small part to make this a little bit easier? So when you said you have the background, so I understand you would have had the health background as well as the computer skills. So did you have both of them in your team? So I personally did not have the computer skills, but two of us, so me and another friend had GIS backgrounds, which are geographic information systems, so map building. Mm -hmm. um, one of our team members was pretty familiar with Python, and so he took on the web-based development of this website. And we also used words, um, WordPress, which is a pre-designated, it's a semi-built website. Mm -hmm. And another one of our friends had a lot of spreadsheet experience. And so a lot of this started off with a lot of spreadsheet work of here are the resources, here's the information, let's spreadsheet this, then transform it into a map or a set of resources, and then we will center it for the web. So you all had a common objective. So you could were you able to get this team together uh, and how many were there in the team? So there were initially four of us and then um, we had we brought in another friend who was a native Spanish speaker to help us better serve the Hispanic community and translate. Um, so now there are five of us and right now, all, well, all of it was done over Zoom and over Slack because mm -hmm. one of my friends is actually in New Zealand. The other one is in California. Um, there were three of us in, OK one was in Tulsa. There were two of us in OKC at the time. But now that everyone's back in school, one of, there are two of us at OU. One of my friends is back in New Zealand because he goes to school at OU, but because of coronavirus, it didn't make sense for him to come here only for school. If school got canceled, he would be stuck and he wouldn't be able to go home. Mm -hmm. So he is doing the semester from New Zealand. 
one of our friends, Jen, she graduated. So she's taking a gap year and she lives in California. And then our other friend that we brought in to help translate in Spanish, she goes to school in Virginia. So you you all work remotely, but you all were coordinating this over Zoom. Yeah. So whose brainchild was it? It was a conversation that started off between a friend, my friend Anshul and I. And so it was, hey, this is what's going on. Do you, but do you think there's something we could do about it? And so it started out from this conversation between the two of us, and then we pulled in some other friends. So how long did it take you all to develop this? Um, the initial map, about a week and a half. After that, developing the resources and then finding other stuff, maybe a couple more weeks, so about a month in total. And then we've been maintaining it. And then we really wanted it to be something to serve the community and be for the community. And so we began sharing it on different social media platforms and we reached out to some local news stations and things like that. And then we got a lot of community feedback being like, hey, this is a testing site that isn't on your list, but I went here and it's in my community. And that was really helpful because like we couldn't be everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then we got, um, we got a tip from someone who was like, in the eastern part of the state, the majority of people actually seek healthcare from um, Fort Smith, which is in Arkansas, um, because Oklahoma City and Tulsa are too far away. So could you add some resources in this area? So we went in and we added resources on the eastern, on the border between Oklahoma and Arkansas and on the border between Oklahoma and Kansas so that there were rural communities that were not, they felt like they weren't being helped as much from our map because a lot of the places they would initially go to first or had greater medical access were, was across the border. And so like that was super helpful information and feedback we got from when we wouldn't have known that because those aren't communities we were from. And so that has been a huge help is community feedback because we really wanted this to be something that served people. So is there a particular geographical area that you, uh, that the website services to, or is it like on a uh, city level or on a state level? So it's a state level? It's statewide. Okay. So our resources are, we grouped educational resources by the five largest educational districts in Oklahoma. And then we also included a bunch of, every resource on there is free and accessible for anyone so we didn't want anything on there that was unequal access because someone couldn't afford it so that was very important to us and we had a lot of questions early on of how we were profiting off of this and whether or not we were somehow making money which isn't the case we actually spent some money to buy the domain of the website mm -hmm. but so, so how long did it take y'all to develop this website are y'all it's still ongoing it's we're it's mostly developed it took us about a month to get everything the way we wanted it to be through the spanish translation and accessibility so that you can toggle back and forth the entire site is available in spanish and in english um now we've just been maintaining it and making sure all of the resources have been up to date but the actual development of the website is pretty much done so when did you start this uh, project 
just before June 19th, so maybe like June 15th or so. And so. you said that you spent a lot of money. And so did you all get any kind of funding from your local uh, authorities or any grant? Oh, so we didn't spend a lot of money. Um, the university, because we were university students, we found out subsidizes one website per person it, to technically make like a resume-based website. And so I, I hadn't used my free website. So uh, we spent, I spent $10 to pay for the domain for the year. And so we spent $10, everything else was completely free. We did not receive any funding from a grant or a university. We just, it was a $10 cost and then everything else was just time. So you all plan on making money out of this website? No. Okay. We, we want it to be free and continue to be free and a community resource for That's uh, the state. That's a noble cause. So who are the end users of this website? Everyday Oklahomans who needed a coronavirus test. So they are the ones who will plug in where they have to go and where they mm -hmm. have to get tested. Okay. So yeah. what are the ch other challenges you mentioned? Um, of course, that uh, monetary-wise, you had some challenges, uh, but not, not a big challenge. But other than that, what are the challenges you faced either before starting this project or during or after developing this website? The largest thing we faced that was a struggle was trying to share this resource once we'd built it. Um, to get it to the most people possible because the people who needed the tests and needed these resources the most were not the people in our immediate vicinity. Um, because like, unfortunately, a lot of coronavirus has disproportionately been born on people who are socioeconomically disadvantaged or are in more vulnerable categories simply because they are at higher risk or they cannot afford not to be working and they are essential workers. And so looking at our own backgrounds, we were coming from a place of privilege and we, the, whether or not we were sharing it on our social medias, it wasn't getting to the people we, who needed it the most. And so that's when we began reaching out to local news stations and the newspaper. And we, it took a really long time to convince people to share what we were doing so that more people could see it and use it. Did you ever feel overwhelmed and think that you wanted to give it up midway through the project? No, um, I think there were definitely periods of time because the website was hosted through my email. I was getting a lot of emails from lots of people who had questions. Um, but I think it felt really important and it felt like something we needed to do. And honestly, because of how coronavirus had shaken up, it had disrupted a lot of my personal plans and it had made things I didn't have enough to do and I need to be busy in order to feel productive and not apathetic. And so having this project became something that was helpful and helped me, I think, get out of this kind of funk that I was in earlier in the summer where I didn't feel like I was doing anything that meant that was worthwhile. So this app or this website tells you which centers you have to go to and use that resources. So is it like the proximity based where you live and where 
is a testing center? Is that what link that you provide? It is proximity based, um, but it gives you options because it's a map. So if you center, enter your location, it'll show you how far all of these resources are from you. And then you can click them and be like, oh, this place, because we, we each tab, like you can click on the, the testing site and it'll show whether or not they accept insurance, what the expected cost is, um, whether or not they they're doing rapid tests, antibody tests, or PCR arrays. And so it's like, what test has your workplace or do you feel like you need? What is the difference between those? And how much will this cost you? Is there any other competitor or any other person uh, or uh, so what do you say, institution who has created this website? Something similar in your lines? So what we found was there were similar things that existed, but not for Oklahoma. And then there was a smaller map that the State Department of Health had, but it only included the State Department of Health websites. So that's what we found was there were smaller sites, but they were only within one network. So it was the State Department or it was this private set of hospitals. And so what we did is we grouped all of them together and came up with a comprehensive list of all the public, private, and nonprofit institutions in the state that offered coronavirus testing. So you basically encompassed everything what, you know, from bits and pieces from everywhere and made it like a one full, one-stop website. Yes. Okay. Why, why did you create this website in Spanish as well? Well, we knew that there was a significant um, Hispanic population in Oklahoma and a large portion of the Hispanic population in Oklahoma, at least the older generation especially, doesn't speak English. And so if we were trying to reach out, and frankly, the Hispanic population also encompasses a large section of the essential worker population in Oklahoma. So we knew that that was a vulnerable community that could not access our site if it was in English or as easily access it in English. Because even if they spoke English, it's really hard to communicate situations and circumstances of health in a language you're not as familiar with. And so we wanted this to be accessible for everyone and not just a group of a smaller subsection. And so we wanted to make this as comprehensive as possible. And so we decided to offer the site in Spanish as well. Do you think you have the hits on the website? How do you know about it? Like how many people are using it? We can log into the website um, every and check, and we can also see the number of responses we have. So I think as of last week, more than 10,000 people have used the website. So it's reaching the masses. Okay, uh, so was your initiative well taken by your family and friends? Did you all get any support from them? Um, I think most of our family and friends didn't really realize we were doing this until it showed up on the news and it was more like this was a side project and it was like, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, we tried. And so it was, oh, we're doing this, we're working on this website, but I don't think what we were actually doing came across at least to my family personally until 
I was like, oh yeah, we're being interviewed by the news. Mm -hmm. um, you can watch it. And then my parents, I think, understood the impact of what we were trying to do. So they were thinking probably some school project or a university project that you guys are doing, right? Well, they knew it was something I was doing with my friends and they, they knew that I had been, I had done like a couple of other smaller projects this summer where we were trying to write a paper to get published. And so we were doing a lot of small things to keep busy and feel like we were doing something and that we could, yeah. And so my parents, I guess, thought it was just another one of these small projects and then it became something a little bit bigger. So you mentioned that you were on the news. Is it a local uh, news? So we were on KOCO5, which is the local news station for Oklahoma. Um, they also, I guess they printed an article about our website in the OU Daily, which is the newspaper for the University of Oklahoma, and then, and in the Norman transcript. So how did you feel about it? Um, well, we felt, it took, we have been emailing a lot of people trying to get this shared to the most amount of people as possible, most amount of people possible and so it was kind of like okay now maybe more people will be able to use this and almost immediately after the KOCO news piece um was shown we moved from having like maybe 20 hits to having more than a thousand in the span of three or four days um that's an incredible achievement so who is your role model um in what sense in your personal life, who inspires you more? I think in terms, I think I have two answers. I think I have an academic answer and I think I have a personally motivating answer. Mm -hmm. I think from a personal level, I think my parents inspire me a lot because I think my mom has gone through a lot of non-traditional changes and job associations. And so I think as a reminder that you don't always have to have all of the answers but you can find them and it's never too late to change your mind has always been a reassuring sense when I have become very stressed about the future. I think my dad is incredibly hardworking and cares a lot about people. And I think without my mom and my dad would have very much long ago been cheated or given away everything he had. Mm -hmm. um, I think on an academic sense, I really look up to Sir Michael Marmot, who is a British epidemiologist and kind of pioneered the field of social determinants of health. So how social factors like economics, education, or where you live can impact how long you live and the quality of your life. And so like, that's the area in which I'm interested in going forward career-wise is doing a lot of social applications of health work, both either in the US or abroad, I'm not really sure, but so I think those are my two answers. So what other initiatives do you have in the pipeline? Uh, I don't think I have any like personal initiatives in terms of, I think we're going to kind of try and continue to build this website. Um, but right now, I think all of the work I'm doing has been subject to other things. So I'm working for the Health Sciences Center and I'm working on two different coronavirus projects. 
um, looking at how, looking at clotting, clotting complications in severe COVID. Um, and then I'm also doing some research with a professor on essentially Tea Party networks and seeing how the radicalization of the Republican Party can be traced back to fringe Tea Party groups. And then I guess I'm getting ready. I'm applying to grad school this semester, but. Uh -huh. Good stuff. Uh, so what are your other interests and hobbies besides, you know, your education and your projects that you're working on, on a personal level? Um, I really enjoy cooking. I have been playing a lot of board games recently with my friends and roommates. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been trying to run more recently, trying to create some balance in my life. That's good. So what are your goals in life? Where do you see yourself in the next two years or five years? I know with this pandemic, everything is haywire. Nobody <laughs> plans for the future anymore, but you know, you may have had something in your mind. Oh, right now I'm applying to MPH and MSPH programs. So master's in public health and master's of science in public health. I think long-term, I would ultimately probably like to end up pursuing a PhD in health policy. And I would like to, I think, create and help craft um, health policies and health initiatives that are primarily centered around education or built environment. So seeing how those variances and discrepancies can create corresponding health inequities. Okay. So you are an inspiration for so many of the youngsters, what kind of advice would you give the younger generation uh, who are listening to this podcast? I think the most important advice I can give is it's okay to fail because your failures aren't actually failures. Because I think a lot of times, and I know this has been true to me as well, you oftentimes hear a lot about people's successes, but you don't always hear about their failures or setbacks. And so you assume that people have been able to reach those, have been able to do and accomplish what they wanted to do on their first try or without, you know, I guess setbacks. And there were always setbacks and there are always going to be moments where a project has failed, whether it's this one or a past one, or it will be a future one. And I think it's important to recognize that sometimes your failures are more important than your successes, because I think they teach you more about who you are as a person when things are not going well. That's a good approach because everything is not as rosy as it looks like. Yeah. So even though there are challenges, we need to be able to overcome them and move forward. So I like that approach, what you have in life. Uh, it's, it was a pleasure, Ananya, to have you on our podcast, and uh, I'm sure you will have more inspiring stories for us in the near future. And uh, thank you very much for your time. I'm sure that you must have got up early to come on this podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for chatting with me. That was an amazing story. To hear more such inspiring stories, log on to my website, lifedecoded.com that's l-i-f-e-d-c-o-d-e-d.com and subscribe rate and review this podcast listen anytime and anywhere on spotify google podcast apple podcast Castbox, 
Breaker, Overcast, Pocketcast, and Radio Public. Until next time, stay safe and inspired.